This is Critical Thinking Part 7, UFOs, UAPs, and the Key to Immortality. You are now orbiting in sonic gravity. Sonic gravity will curve time. Curve time will create inertia. Inertia will pull mass, and mass will bend space. Space will bend light, and light will curve time. And it all begins again. And before the end, you will see the universe through the eyes of a madman. And when you stare into madness, you will seize your immortality in the echo of an ancient ghost. So this is my fourth UFO episode, and I just can't stop doing them. So let's just have a little quick recap. So we're critically thinking about UFOs, UAPs, and the key to immortality. And so the inception of critical thought in this problem set, we begin with the premise that those UFOs and UAPs are zipping around up there in the sky, and they're really UFOs and UAPs zipping around up there in the sky. So those things zipping around up there are either one of two things. They're either humans or they're not humans, and that is a fact. It's a binary, mutually exclusive classification. It's either us or it ain't us. If it ain't us, it must be aliens of some kind. And I think most of them are us, probably the grainy blurry ones since they're just the quantum echoes of Higgs singlets. The other ones, the lights blazing, people abducting, bunch of crop circle graffiti, writing a little note in the gluten. It's vandalism because wheat doesn't grow on trees. If it is us, there's no way it's us with our current technology today. It has to be a quantum hologram, an echo of our future. It is a certainty that we do not have the physics or the engineering to make a vehicle like that fly the way it does. We just don't. If we did, Elon Musk wouldn't be crashing so many SpaceX rockets. We don't have the physics yet. We're only at second level because not everybody can be a wizard like you and me. And so the sonic gravity quantum hologram hypothesis is that in the future, we're going to fire up our Tic Tac. We're going to generate our future technology force field, which triggers what is legit called in quantum physics a spontaneous symmetry break, and we're going to disassociate from our Higgs boson field. Like, remember in Critical Thinking Part 4, we're just turning off all the little red pixels in our TV by creating this little force field around our ship. Our mass drops to zero, our quantum echo jumps into the past somewhere, and then we fly around using zero-point energy as the universe tries to push a bunch of mass into our mass hole, so to speak, created when all of our Higgs boson particles jumped into the past. So we zip around using zero-point energy and we're in business. When we're done, we kill the field in the engine, our present entangled quantum echo rejoins and our particle symmetry renormalizes, and in the past our quantum echo disappears and then we go into the kitchen and get a snack. And as I've been processing it all, I've been challenging and putting to the test the concepts and ideas that I've been sharing over the past few episodes and I've been talking to physicists. I DM'd the sonic gravity quantum echo hypothesis to Eric Weinstein, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Tom DeLonge, Lou Elizondo, Christopher Mellon, all physicists or UFOologists and nothing. No response. They got nothing for me. Now in their defense, I'm a bipolar autistic psychopath with ADHD and PTSD, so I can't blame someone for not rushing to get back to me. And today I was in a clubhouse room with Jim Green, who's the NASA chief scientist, and I explained the sonic gravity wormhole and I laid out the sonic gravity quantum echo hypothesis and I was done and I looked over at his avatar and he left the room. Somebody throw me a bone. And I'm hearing more and more conversations on Clubhouse with 
people talking about UFOs, so I think people are starting to orbit one way or another in sonic gravity. And I'm doing everything I can to get someone to throw some physics at me, then try to prove the sonic gravity quantum echo hypothesis is wrong, but I can't find anybody to ruin my day yet. But I'm not giving up, I'm still trying. And I've been on this introspective journey of self-discovery for the last two weeks trying to soak up everything that I can about quantum field theory and string theory and M-theory and conforming field theory and anti-de-sitter space-time curvature, and it's all really interesting. And in Critical Thinking Part 5, I kind of dropped this bombshell that we're all actually living in a 2D hologram in the third dimension of information. And when you think about the physics of leadership, the first law is that everybody wants to do the very best for themselves that they can. The second law is that leadership leadership transacts in their mind alone, and the third law is that our leadership affecting impact is going to be directly proportional to how we make the people that we want to lead feel about themselves. But the second law really applies here, and that's kind of my basis for choosing the information as the third dimension for a person's perception of the universe, because I think when we look at the universe through our own perspective, time seems constant and specific to us. For instance, we know that the stronger a gravitational field is, we actually have clocks accurate enough to measure the time difference between the top and bottom of the Empire State Building. And in 2005, two Russian cosmonauts, a guy named Sergei and another guy named Sergei, spent six months orbiting the Earth and they figured out that they had aged 20 milliseconds less than everybody else on Earth. This is called gravitational time dilation. It's not very much time dilation, but just keep that in the back of your mind because when we get back into our tic-tac and start talking about quantum fields again, we're also going to talk about Einstein's theory of relativity and we're going to start talking about time curvature and how how time creates gravity. Time is going to get really interesting, and I don't want to spoil it, but you might start believing in ghosts before we're done. Anyway, the reason that I describe the human perspective of a 2D universe like a person on the face of a hologram falling backwards through information is because whether you're up in a spaceship or down in the earth, I think wherever we are, we're always going to feel like we're in the same time. Because I think when we go through life, we experience time the same. We experience eight hours sleeping much differently than we experience eight hours in a traffic jam. So from our individual perspective, we don't have a time sensor, so it isn't a frame of reference like the height or width of our TV. Our brains just actually only perceive information, and I don't think we actually perceive time directly. Because when a flash goes off, you definitely see it. And when something makes a sound, you definitely hear it. And if you touch something, then you definitely feel it. But you can't really feel time go by. It's kind of like our only frame of reference for time, velocity, and gravity is really just the rate at which our hologram changes. So technically, if we consider ourselves on the face of this hologram, then everything on the hologram changes with respect to combined time and gravity and space. But I think when we're trying to describe the universe from our individual perspectives as human beings, I think we're looking at a 2D hologram moving through information. And time and gravity and space kludge together and become the rules that govern how the hologram changes and interacts with us. And I think that works philosophically if all we're talking about is just ourselves. But if we ever want to do any kind of thing that points between two places or two things or compares two objects, then we're going to have to go back to time because that's the only way we can develop a common frame of reference. Now, just like we said before, Jacob D. Bekenstein, Stephen Hawking, Gerard de Tooft, and Leonard Susskind, some of our most brilliant physicists of all time, were ricocheting ideas off of each other and kind of stood on each other's shoulders and proved that the information you need to encode a 3D space through time with mass and gravity can be encoded on a 2D surface. And not just the arrangement of things in space, but the physics and properties of the way things interact in that 3D space can be encoded on the 2D surface too. So picture yourself, we're on the face of our TV looking into 
our hologram and actually part of the hologram too, with information flowing from in behind us, but now I want you to expand the surface of your TV screen and stretch it out so it's still a 2D surface, but now it's bent into the shape of a bubble. So you're part of the hologram on the outside of the bubble looking in, and the information on the bubble is encoding a 3D space that's inside the bubble. And the information your brain is receiving is still from the holographic surface of your bubble, which is precisely Plato's allegory of the cave, which is kind of crazy, but the information you're receiving, the signals your brain is interpreting are being interpreted as the 3D universe through space, time, mass, gravity, and that's what we see playing out in the 3D interior of the bubble. And here's where I'm going to try to blow your mind for the first time in this episode. Now the information is not actually falling through you. The information is static. The information is already there, but the bubble is expanding, and the information isn't moving. The bubble is getting bigger. So the surface of your hologram is the thing that's expanding, and the bubble is pushing you back through information, which is why, according to the scientists, the universe is expanding. It's because the bubble is expanding. And the reason we see that tic-tac in the future is because it's a quantum echo, a quantum hologram of Higgs boson particles, which means they're still associated with the quantum composition of their identity in the future, but there's no space in the quantum field, and there's no time in the quantum field. So that hologram is unbound by space or time. It's only bound by the gravity field of the Earth. And it's only through gravity that we can see it. Because even though the Tic Tac in the future has no mass, because when we fire up our Tic Tac and we decouple our Higgs field and our Higgs singlets fly into the past and create a quantum hologram, our massless particles in the future won't fly apart because they're quantum entangled with the Higgs singlets in the past. And if the Higgs singlets don't, then our future massless particles won't fly apart either, hopefully. And here's where I'm gonna blow your mind for the second time in this episode. Time causes gravity, and the source of gravity is the curvature of time, and that is a fact. Now we're going to go through Einstein's theory of relativity. So first we need to discuss the physics of kinetic time dilation, and when we cover quantum time dilation, it will be a revelation that transacts in your mind at the speed of thought. But the gravity of that moment will be life-changing, and you will experience a vision, glimpse your own immortality. You won't just believe in ghosts, you will want to become one before it's too late. Now, Einstein's bedrock principles of the theory of relativity are these, is the invariance of the speed of light. The speed of light is always the speed of light for all observers, and that is a fact. And the equivalence of gravitational and inertial mass. And what that means is if you jump in your Corvette and hit the gas, the force that presses you into the back of your seat is the exact same type of force and indistinguishable from the gravitational field and the gravity that we feel from the Earth. And that too is a fact. And so now we're going to imagine a clock, and it's sitting on top of a cylinder, and inside the cylinder is a bouncing photon. It's bouncing up and down, and it's bouncing at the speed of light. It goes down from the top, it hits the bottom plate, and bounces back up, and hits the top plate. And the way this clock tells time is that when the photon, that little particle of light, bounces up and down and hits the top plate, that's when the second hand moves. So this clock tells perfect time this way because the speed of light never changes. Now imagine 
imagine two clocks. One is stationary and then the other right next to it moves sideways. Now remember the invariance of the speed of light. The photons in those clocks are moving at the exact same speed. But in the moving clock, the photon isn't going straight up and down like the clock that's staying still. It kind of needs to move at a diagonal, right, to keep up with the clock as it slides. And so the clock that isn't moving, its photon actually has a shorter path to travel from the top to the bottom back to the top because the stationary one gets to go straight up and down. And the photon in the moving clock had to go a longer distance because it couldn't go straight up and down. It kind of had to go at a diagonal. And because the photons are running at the same speed and the photon in the moving clock had to go at a diagonal, which takes longer. So from this, we absolutely know that the faster something moves through space, the slower it moves through time because its photon can't tick as fast as the clock that is standing still. And the opposite is true too, because the slower you move through space, the faster you move through time. So as the clock moves, your time slows down. And it's the same thing as when you're accelerating in a vehicle. When you hit the gas, you accelerate and move faster through space. And when you move through space faster, your time is slowing down. And because your time is slowing down, you feel the gravity as the acceleration pushes you into the back of your seat. So it's the curvature of time. It's the slowing of your clock as you accelerate is what is causing the gravity that's pulling you into the seat. And remember from inertia equivalence means that that's the exact same thing is the gravitational field of mass. And that inertial gravity when you get thrown into the back of your seat when your car takes off is exactly the same kind of force, the gravitational field that we feel from the earth. And so in that same way, the gravitational field from something like the earth is also going to slow our clocks down. But the reason we know that gravity comes from passing through the curvature of time and not actually moving through space, because say we were to go skydiving, we go to the door of the plane and we jump out and it's kind of nice. We start to float down, just don't open your mouth. Now we're accelerating at 32.2 feet per second per second, but we're not feeling crushed into the back of our parachute. We don't feel any g-forces when we jump out of a plane, even though we're traveling through space really, really fast and accelerating. And the reason we don't is we're not experiencing the curvature of time. We're accelerating faster, and because we're accelerating faster, our clock is slowing down. And because we're falling down, we're falling deeper into the Earth's gravity well, and the Earth's gravitational field is getting stronger. And because the Earth's gravitational field is getting stronger, the gravitational field is slowing our clock too. And so you can think of it as the Earth's gravitational field is setting the speed limit for our clock and our speed through space is slowing down our clock so it all matches and we don't feel any gravity. So now we understand how the curvature of time causes gravity. Now think about this. Imagine you have two photon clocks again, one stationary and one is launched into space at the speed of light. The photon goes down, bounces off the bottom plate and does it ever make it back to the top of the plate if it's moving upward at the speed of light? No. The photon never catches up to the top plate if the clock is moving at the speed of light. The clock never ticks again. So at the speed of light, we know time stops. So when we move at the speed of light, time stops for us. And at the speed of light, we are timeless. And because we are timeless, there is no curvature of time. So we are also free from gravity. So now let's jump back into the quantum realm. We jump into our tic-tac. We fire up the force field that disassociates the Higgs boson particle field. And we experience a spontaneous break with the Higgs field. And all of our Higgs boson particles, our Higgs singlets, are thrown in a hologram into the past. And now our mass drops to zero. 
but now we know from the equivalence of gravitational and inertial mass, it's not just our mass that's zero, our inertia is zero, and that means our gravity is zero too. And since our gravity is zero, and since our quantum composition minus the Higgs field must have some energy but zero mass, all of our massless particles must be moving at the speed of light. And that is a fact. But I don't think we're going to explode in a million directions at the speed of light because our particles are still quantumly entangled with our Higgs singlets that do have mass and aren't going anywhere. And if our atoms are the points of intersection between the other 16 of our quantum fields, then I think the strong nuclear force might hold the rest of our particles together and keep us from exploding like a nuclear bomb at the speed of light. And I think too, from chemistry, we're going to have some covalent and some ionic bonds holding us together and like duct tape and some electromagnetic interactions. So I'll go on record right now and say that if we decouple our Higgs field, we will not explode like a nuclear bomb at the speed of light. And I will stake my reputation as a psychologist path on it. But do you see it? Do you see your own immortality in the mind of madness? Because we know from relativity, if our particles, if the rest of our quantum constitution is vibrating at the speed of light, then just like the photon clock, do you remember what happens to our time when we travel at the speed of light? What does Einstein's theory of relativity say about the speed of light? Time stops. Our bodies stop aging. As long as we don't explode like a nuclear bomb at the speed of light, which we won't. I'm pretty sure. But think about the second and third order effects of that. Think about what that would mean. Someone could just walk into a quantum chamber, turn it on, and the next thing they know, somebody's opening the door with the cure to whatever they have. People afflicted with incurable diseases waiting for the cure to be invented, or waiting for the invention of biotechnology that can replace DNA and reverse the aging process. If we'd have already developed this technology, think where we would be. We could heal Stephen Hawking, and he, Einstein, Michelangelo, and Shakespeare could all live forever. So it's possible that quantum disassociation from the Higgs field doesn't just fly tic-tacs, harness infinite zero-point energy, and make us massless and timeless. It could be the key to immortality, and that is a fact. Do you see it now in the eye of a madman why ghosts might really exist? Why you might want to become one? Because like our Tic Tacs, when that force field that activates to spontaneously cause a quantum break and disassociate our Higgs field that throws a quantum hologram, perhaps like the one described by Dr. Mitchell in the Podesta emails, it throws a quantum hologram into the past. And in the future, anyone who wants to live forever could also activate a personal Higgs field disassociator to stop their clock. Until the technology is achieved that could extend their lives indefinitely to potentially achieve immortality. But that would also throw a quantum hologram of themselves into the past. And depending on the relative density of a person, the power of the field, and who knows what other factors, it's very possible that the quantum echo of a person waiting for immortality might be seen in our present as a ghostly apparition. And that too is a fact. And if the possibility of immortality and the real possibility that you could exist timelessly disassociated from the Higgs field, and shall we call it a Voorhesian stasis field, waiting for the invention of technology that could make you immortal, then before it's too late, you might want to become a ghost too. And I just realized, remember the cover art of Critical Thinking Part 6, UFOs, UAPs, and Zero Point Energy. Now on the cover of that episode, it shows a halo around a tic-tac. And that can be interpreted as what we call gravitational lensing. And the way that works is, is you can imagine like a checkerboard, just like on the cover art of my very first podcast episode, You're Invited. You see there's like a checkerboard and the earth and the moon on it. And 
where the Earth is is like pushing down, making a dent in the space-time because mass curves space-time. And so, and light passes through space-time. And so, if you look at that dent in the board and you draw your light and you like make it go straight through the middle of a row of squares where that space curves, you would see the light following that same space curve around. Now, that would make the light look bendy, but the light doesn't curve. The space that the light is traveling through is being curved by the mass. And I still can't believe that it took me this long to figure out. Now, I believe that halo is gravitational lensing. But the people I've been hearing and seeing talking about this gravitational lensing have it all wrong. They think that there's some kind of really strong energy force creating enough gravity to warp space-time. But we know better, don't we? We know what really causes gravity, don't we? What really causes gravity is the curvature of time. Now imagine the insanity of the curvature of time that would result from sending the mass of a spaceship back through time. So within the envelope of that disassociated Higgs field is the gravity of a black hole. And that is a fact. And as you orbit in my sonic gravity and you see the universe through the eyes of a madman, you realize that you are the second human being in the world to realize that you are seeing that tic-tac through a wormhole. And that too is a fact.